And of course, there's also the fact that for a long time, people questioned whether or not Jerry Seinfeld was straight, which I find hilarious yeah. as an actual gay person because I'm just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, people at home! What's up with that? You ready? I am your podcast Jedi and the artist formerly known as Pizza Funny. Yes, that's what that's what that means on Twitter. It's not that awesome, but it I, I feel like it. Anyway, joining me as always is the other half of the world's greatest tag team never. The man, the myth, the legend. One half of yeah, he just threw me off. Now we're just we're <laughs> all right, fuck it. It's, it's, fuck now, we're now a we cooking show pets. and a pet there show. There we go. And pets. Okay, go ahead. Kyle. Kyle Moore, Dr. S'mores himself, Kyle Moore is on the show. Let's get it going there from Outsider's Edge. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk wrestling with. How the hell have you been? And tell us about your beautiful companion next to you. Because apparently all of our pets, even mine here, and I didn't know it, has just invaded our entire <laughs> show. But that's fine. They're all cute. So you can follow, tell everybody where they can follow you and see your beautiful dog. All right. So first of all, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. I am here with my beautiful little pit bull, Zena. She is a big ball of love. Um, I'm doing great because as an AEW truther from day one, I'm here oh, for God. all of the go. things that keep coming out about how they're yep. just like every other wrestling company. Mm, love it. Yeah, here we go. Finally, we found someone to praise. Ooh, to here we boost go. up AEW. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, what? I'm a truther. I'm a truther. I'm not here to boost nothing. I love all of this bullshit that keeps coming out about how they're just as fucked up as everybody else's. All right, all right. I can't wait to get into that. We'll definitely get into that. DP, I got the Hawkster here. What do you, you got? That's Coleco, who likes to just... She, she wants the, or the door is open back there, by the way. It is not open. She would like it to be open. But it will not be open until she starts whining. <laughs> That's where she wants She's to like, go right now. She's like, let me out. I want to go kill the birds. Yeah, that she is wants in the back. She sure. wants in this back like storage area of my basement for some reason, and there's nothing back there. But the door's closed, so as your the dog door needs bought, to be open. Has, has either of your dogs brought you a present, i.e., a dead bird, yet, or no? Oh, my dogs are way too clumsy to actually kill anything. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> oh, we had a dog when I was growing up that liked to bring you presents. AKA whatever it could kill, and it would just bring it back to you. Oh, hey, look what I got you. Oh. Okay, thanks. Yeah. I right. just want you to know they love you. 
movie. <laughs> Right. Something like that, I guess. Uh, are, are you going out tonight? You gonna have some drinks tonight, there, uh, uh, Doctor S'mores? You think you might partake um, in some of the oh, responsibly? I, I mean, no, I think most of my drinking will be reserved for tomorrow because uh, I am a season ticket holder to the terrible South Carolina Gamecocks, and I will be tailgating real hard to watch them play the equally terrible Charlotte Forty Niners. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, good. Well, put some picks out so we can see what's going on the view from the game uh, hopefully yeah you guys got smoked last week that was by did you play yeah last but week? this we played georgia so like That's right. you know it's That's fine it'll be okay it's, it's sec football <laughs> it's nighttime football i'll get to watch our cool led stadium and yeah it'll be fun all right well i'll be we'll be looking for you you'll probably the game's probably on espn or something you guys are in the sec right oh yeah all of our games are on something there you go. i'll let you know where to find me Sounds like a plan. All right, gentlemen, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to figure out what's going on in this show today. we got some current-day wrestling talk. We're going to get into the 80s of the top 100 here, and uh, maybe a little Seinfeld as well, with our good friend and guest host Kyle Moore is here today from the Outsider's Edge. Don't forget, Chairshot Radio Network, Outsider's Edge, every Friday afternoon. We'll be right back. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Oh, yes, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind all of you that Christopher Platt is on vacation this week. Um, he's in the Hamptons. He's watering George's horse's prickly peat. And what's the other motherfucker's name? I forget. Man has a kid and decides he doesn't have to go to work anymore. Must be nice. Uh, uh, he actually fit. Oh, see? Yeah, Zena Platt, agrees. That's right. Um, Zena knows all about it. <laughs> I don't know how when you start to have kids, all of a sudden you start doing traveling like you have more money. I don't understand how that works. Well, that's that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, uh, no, Platt's actually uh, having a sense of humor replaced because we all need to know that that needs. Anyway, no, I'm not kidding. He's not going to like that one. <laughs> oh, wait. DP. Wait, I got something for him. Let's stop making. Uh-oh. Hey, where'd it go? Oh, God. Oh, God. Great radio. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> oh yeah, you cut that. Okay, that was from the Hennigan's episode. Yeah, that <laughs> was Chris's right. take on Woody Allen's line. Uh, these pretzels. One more time, can we get Chris Platt? Chris Platt, uh, how are those pretzels making you feel? These pretzels are making me thirsty. I All think right. after you hear that, you understand my my text to you guys afterwards that all I hear is Bill Cosby coming out of that sound right there. Uh, nah. I, <laughs> with the pudding pops in the old Yeah, with got it to the pop there. There we go. I love it. All right. Let's let everybody know what's happening this week on the 342nd edition of the DWI podcast. Well, well we're waiting. Well, it's the big show. 
changed it up that time. I said big shoe. I got it. Big shoe sheet. All right, we're going to get into the fact that Logan Paul has found himself in a main event for the undisputed Universal WWE Championship. Paige, or Soraya, whatever you'd like to call her. Uh, I'm saddened that she's not in WWE, but she's back. She's back on AEW. Will she wrestle? That's the question. We're going to get into the 80s, 81 to 90, on the Chair Shot Top 100. And time permitting, we, there may be some candy readily available, i.e. a Pez dispenser. So, DPP, why don't you go ahead and ring the bell? And I haven't called for the bell in a long time. Oh. Kind of pushed that. Yeah, and AJ, wherever you are, AJ, we're wondering where you are. Just text me, motherfucker. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do that. Where are you, Kyle? Yes. What are your thoughts initially when you heard that Logan Paul was going to be in the main event at Crown Jewel, taking on Roman Reigns? I think, as knowledgeable wrestling fans, we all know that it's going to put eyeballs and it's going to make money, but. I mean, a lot of us have been watching this for a while. How did you actually feel about him getting a title shot in this historic reign, right? There's those two things. Well, so, I mean, my immediate reaction reaction was, damn, like, like hasn't he only had, like, two matches? Like, shit, uh, was my immediate reaction. But then I started to think about it, and I was like, well, I mean, this is pro wrestling, and, like, Pretty sure Kane won uh, the WWF title for 24 hours within, like, a month of debuting. And lost, yeah, in that first blood match with Austin and then just lost it promptly the next day. So, like, anything can happen in wrestling, especially WWE's version of the sport. Um, And Logan Paul has, you know, shown himself to be okay in his first two matches uh i don't think this really runs the risk of hurting him per se because he's really just a hollywood draw and he's still gonna be a you know influencer draw regardless of how this match goes and um i feel like i don't know i just feel like there's nothing but upside but it still will not get me to watch blood money uh whatever number we're on excellent so now i'm glad you brought that up i'm glad we didn't forget to mention this so Everyone's well aware of Christopher Platt and his Jam in the Sand collection of naming these uh, pay-per-views in Saudi. Well, our good friend, the doctor himself, also has his list of... Do you want to lay some of these beautiful names you've uh, um, you cl- you've cloaked upon this, this glorious crown jewel event? Well, so I go with uh, Blood Money is our theme. And so, uh, you know, there. I thought we were on Blood Money 8, and I was going to call it Blood Money 8 Sandcastle Showdown. Um, but it's come to my attention that it's only number seven, so we'll just go with a good Blood Money 7 Sand and Blood. Um, there was Blood Money 5, a little less blood, a lot more money. Um, there was Blood Money I'm, 2. <laughs> there was like, Blood Money, money 2, blood. like... Boogaloo, of course, because obviously yeah, I think classic. You guys both had that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah, so, you know, we're just here for the blood money, and, like, that's all WWE's in it for, and I respect that, but I ain't gonna watch it. Well, I mean, for me, it's on in the afternoon, so that's fucking awesome, so I'm gonna watch it and get drunk and watch it in the afternoon. <laughs> Fair. But, you know, here's the only thing is, yeah, great, this is the what they're sending 
picture, but it's just a it's a it's a it's a hollow title defense. Would you agree, DP? Whereas you know he's not going to lose the title here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think at this point they needed you know for these shows, you need that draw. You need that big, I guess, match. Like you know they always had Goldberg come back for these things or whatever. You know, um, yeah, you clearly clearly know he's not losing this one. Um, I think they're. You know, maybe with the issues with not having Randy Orton around, because you know he was supposed to be kind of in the mix as well to have a title match that they're trying to fill in certain things. And I had the same reaction Kyle had, like, "What the fuck? You know, why? Why is Logan Paul in this match? It's stupid." Uh, but yeah, after thinking about it a little bit, it's like, yeah, okay, it makes sense, right? You know, it's it's more of a money draw. It's gonna get eyes on the product. Fine. Um, he, yes, he's looked great in his first couple matches and he obviously is taking this seriously it seems but it does seem like an odd position to put him in obviously there's going to be i would assume there's going to be all sorts of shenanigans with the whole bloodline and everything else that's going on in the storylines too so um i think they can make it work and i think it'll be fine and i at this point don't necessarily have a problem with it but i think we all can be we do know the one, fact that one thing. he's not going to lose the title. Go ahead, Kyle. We do know one thing. Blood money coming up means they're going to kick Sammy out of the bloodline within the next uh, month because he's not allowed in Saudi Arabia. So, um, uh, But can they just have an excuse for why he's not there? I mean, like... Yeah. They, they could, could. Sure, they could. Sells, you can't come. He tells stories great, now. But here's the thing is, like this is the best thing in wrestling storylines right now. The most entertaining person in entire fucking professional wrestling is Sami Zayn. If you can't oh, sure. sit back and watch Sami Zayn interact with the Usos and watch him weekly. Like I honestly think Jimmy was originally supposed to be mad at him all the time too, but he could never keep a straight face. So like, well, you guys just be buddies then. And no, I, I was, that's a joke, but it's kind of almost the truth. Jay's having a hard time keeping that straight face. You can fucking see it. He almost popped Roman the week the Usos weren't there in the backstage too, right? So, I mean, Paul, the, here is my favorite thing, and I'll shut up. And you guys talk about what you uh, what you think's moving forward for the Bloodline. Give your Sami Zayn comments. But when Sammy comes into the ring this past week, and Paul Heyman's trying to handle it, and Sammy is like, "Maybe I should handle this one," and Paul just looks at him and goes, "Whoop!" throws the microphone and walks out of the ring. <laughs> Handle it. Pop big time for that shit. So I can't imagine them breaking this up anytime soon. But Kyle, we've been speculating on all this for a long time. Is that what you actually see happening? And where do you see Roman at the Rumble? And who do you see him losing it to? Is it Mania? Who's at Mania? What's your What's your arc into Mania right now for Roman Reigns? I don't know when he's going to lose the title, but I mean, we all know that Roman's on a collision course with Dwayne at Mania. Like, that's going to be a thing. Um, unless unless whatever movie unless whatever movie Dwayne is in will not allow him to perform, that is going to be a thing. It's a license I mean, to money in Los Angeles. I From your lips to God's ears, because I predicted that two and a half years ago. So it, if it happens, great. That's why I'm saying they've had plenty of time to plan this out. But what's in the meantime, then? Where, how do you get to Royal Rumble here? Because Logan Paul is probably, that's just the crown jewel thing. It doesn't look like Extreme Rules is going to be anything major there. The War Games at Survivor Series, is that something? Who's that with? You know, And then Bray Wyatt coming back, is he the White Rabbit? Or is it 
Is it? Killer oh, he's Frost? definitely but... the White Rabbit. No, Bray Wyatt's definitely the White. All right. Rabbit. I have All no, right. I have zero doubts in my mind on that. I definitely think it is Bray Wyatt. Um, now, do I think he'll be the one to take the belt off the of Fiend? Off the of Fiend? Off of Roman? Maybe, but not if they're smart. Because if we know anything about Bray Wyatt, it's that Bray Wyatt, much like Hangman Adam Page, great at chasing a title, great at going after a title, gives him purpose to want a title. Not nearly as good once he's got one. Uh, um, I think... I think that they carry and crosses on a collision course with Drew McIntyre. I think they'll probably throw Lashley at Reigns again around December. Um, I think Austin Theory is the wild card in all of this. You know, I think he's going to match- fail to cash in, but I think he's going to cash it in. Yeah, he's going to lose it or fail. He's. I don't think he's going to. It just. First of all, Lashley and Rollins had an excellent match this past Monday night on Raw. That was excellent. Um, but. I, I said this on Twitter. I was like, Austin Theory, be, he's up here Billy Gunn in this uh, Money in the Bank right here. I mean, it's just not going well for Oh, him. no. I've got an even worse one. Austin Theory is giving me Damian Sandow vibes. Oh, God. <laughs> At least he's not outside the ring doing someone else's moves while they're inside the ring. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But just like the way that this like briefcase run has gone, I'm like, this is some Damian Sandow shit. Uh, this isn't even Baron Corbin got to lose the cash in so that somebody can lose the cash in finally. Like this is some like Sandow stuff. Um, yeah, not loving that. No, so I think they're probably. I, you mentioned Rollins. You know, it's really a shame that they can't turn Seth Rollins' face because he just can't do it. Um, because that would be an obvious filler arc to get you through the Royal Rumble. He could. And yeah. Raw desperately needs a world champion because I think really what this is going to come down uh, to is right, USA right. is going to tell Raw or is going to tell WWE that they got to have a title. Do they? Are they? Is that in the contract? I don't think that is. I don't think it's in the contract, but I think they're going to be like, yo, you want more money in your next TV deal? I want a world champion on my show. I'm telling you, you got to make the IC title one brand's champion, the US title. Title the other brands champion, treat them like world titles, and then that floating title is for ratings and prestige. Um, you're gonna have to burn the United States championship to make that a thing because they <laughs> spent the better part of two decades destroying the credibility that that belt has, and uh, one or two good champions can't bring it back. John well, we Cena just started over with a great match on Monday between Lashley and Rollins, so I the belt looks good, I like the look of the belt. It's all right. No, it's all right. They're like, I, I got up to go get a beer, expecting think, someone to comment on the belt, and yeah. I heard nothing. So I think Kyle's, I think Kyle's likes the old school, likes the old school belts like I do. It sounds like. I mean, I honestly didn't hate the uh, <laughs> one that they had forever and a day that looked like a baseball diamond with the flag. It was simple. Yeah. It was simple, but it worked. I'm fine with simple. I think um, I miss the old white IC title. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think a lot of people do. I don't know if you can see my camera, but you mean this one? Yes, that is the <laughs> exact one that I mean. Yeah, that was the first belt I bought because that's damn good looking belt. I'll tell you that. Uh, that, that. That's a that's a basement brag. I mean, you know, Triple H is in charge again. He could bring out his favorite, his two favorite things: his shovel and the big gold belt. <laughs> 
I feel like. What about everybody's brought back? What's who's who's the favorite person you've liked that he's brought in back so far? I mean, Strowman's back, Gargano's back, uh, Cross is back. Who who have you been like? Yes, I'm glad that person's back. And oh no, that we didn't need that. At first, I was really excited that they brought Hit Row back, but they're not. It's not the same without Swerve. And and I don't know that Swerve himself is the reason it's not the same, but just like. Ooh, yeah, without, like, a person to push at the front of this, it feels very not as big. If you were top dollar, would you have let Ridge Holland give you an Alabama slam on TV? Because I'd be like, uh, no, I'm a fucking big guy. I don't think you should be able to do that to me. And I if I fought, were anybody on the roster, I wouldn't let Ridge Holland do any move that involved my head. <laughs> I, no, but do you know what I'm saying? I get that's a that's that's funny well, and 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 more and morbid and hopefully Biggie's back soon. But, hey, Biggie looks great right now, and we love that he. Yeah, he uh, posted wait. a video the other day of him like nodding his head without the neck brace. So I'm just like, I've yes. Only been able to, I've only been able to watch videos of Sasha and Naomi for some reason that they just keep popping up on on my screen. So that's How about that. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm not complaining, but whatever. Um. Anyway. I'm just giving you a reason why I haven't seen the Big E video. No. But I, I now I forgot where I was going. I'm thinking about Sasha. <laughs> well, you were asking us about you were asking us about favorite people they brought back and didn't bring back. And yes. the only other thing I'll say Rich before I give it back to you. I see I see why Braun Strowman appeals to some people. I get it. I understand. I could have done without ever seeing him again. Omos is back with MVP too. Who? I know who MVP is, but yeah, who's the you. other one? <laughs> gotcha. No, my question was was to be go back and seriously say if 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 you were AJ, if you were Top Dollar, would you let anybody right now that was this, that size of Rich Holland, Alabama slam you when you come in and you're supposed to be a fucking big guy? Like not I thought that just something. was not good for his character. Not unless it's going to mean yeah, something. Yeah. I... Well, that but that's part of what I'm saying. With like when they first brought them back, it was like yes, of course, bring this group back like why did you get rid of them in the first place like they were over like rover it just made so much sense but like they brought back the three that they brought because swerve is with aew and if vince were still in charge i think that that might have been okay but see when hunter originally got this whole thing going he wanted swerve to be the singles guy and top dollar and ashanti were just a tag team and now they've been brought back, and I'm feeling this is a tag team with a woman who they're never going to let wrestle because she is not ready. Well, hopefully they can, you know, over time with, with running the tag team that she can keep continue to train and see where they go from there while they build the character. I don't know. What do you think, DP? Any thoughts on Kyle's comments or any other bring backs from Triple H, the, the new Triple H era? Yeah, I think if you drop another person into that group, you know, as like the leader or something, you might be able to make that work. I mean, I'm always a big fan of factions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, him him not being there, you know, Swerve not being there kind of, it right, it doesn't feel like it's not the same group, you know. So, like, but if you, you can make it work, you bring in somebody else and, and have that happen. I, I'm just a, not necessarily a fan of, like, specific people that they brought back you know i i'm i'm a fan of braun um i think more for braun Strowman's favorites that we we made up in that game you know uh 
he's entertaining though and he's a good gimmick and a good like you know he's one of those like how would you call that He's an attraction. Our, attraction. Friend, our friend Rob, our friend Rob in our group chat calls him Big Shouty. And I think that that is the most perfect encapsulation of what Braun Strowman is. Big Shouty. Do you, he's big. Do you, know what Braun, do you know what Braun Strowman's favorites is? Have you ever heard of that? I've not heard of that, but I'm going to assume it has to be something along the lines of Roman, I'm not finished with you. Let's play it. Let's oh, play you want to play it? Yeah, here we go. All right, hang yeah, on we're good. yeah, go ahead. All right, we'll play the music. All right. Roman's favorites with our first with our first contestant this year because we haven't done this in a while. Dr. Swan. Alright, I do my new best Christopher Platt. Welcome back to the sensation that's sweeping the nation. It's Roman's favorite. Alright, this week are our contestants. Throw the outsiders edge. It's Dr. S'mores, Mr. Kyle Morris. Uh, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, big time fan, you know. <laughs> All right. So, first time caller, long time listener. I'm going to ask you a question, and yep. I love the show. Great topic on the show. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's going to be a one word fill in the blank, but you have to answer it like Braun Strowman would. Okay. So, if you are out and about, like Braun Strowman has been it so many, many times, and he drives home, but he can't quite find the driveway. Sometimes he parks on the lawn, and that's been another edition of Braun Strowman's favorite. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about what's next for Roman. I mean, Braun is a readily made filler arc because like his whole spiel mm-hmm. is Roman. I'm not finished with you. So like I came back cause I'm still not finished with you, bitch. Well, and you think of all the, they, I mean, they had a feud there for quite a while. We got to see them wrestle each other one time at Fastlane uh, here in Milwaukee. And they like, had good chemistry. They why, had good chemistry. It's perfect. It's a perfect chance for, uh, for to run a month there of a pay, of a pay-per-view with that feud to get them to WrestleMania right. for sure. It's like when Big Show actually wanted to have a match and sell for somebody in the right way, he could have a good match with somebody that could give good matches. And Strowman will do the same for Roman, who Roman has good matches, right? He knows how to work the crowd. He knows when to get into it, when to slow it down, when to mix it up a little bit. I don't know. I think if they gave really him the belt, if they gave him the belt that first time, like they should have when he mm-hmm. faced Brock the first time then you all like we wouldn't have to worry about Roman needing to hold the belt for 800 days because they'd have readily made a star star. He had so much momentum and was so popular and he's not as good, but it doesn't matter because WWE has proven you just got to be that good the first time. And that's not what the title's about, right? I mean, for a lot of those, it's just like you got that momentum. you're, You're riding that wave of the popularity is there right now. You give him that. You give him that title at that point, and that's just it's perfect sailing. For and then he is forever. And then he is forever a threat because he's former world champion. You can't count him out. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll see what what happens moving forward here. It's all going to be very interesting. I don't think we're going to get the full Triple H effect until we start getting past WrestleMania. Right? There's so many things that have, were happening, and. You don't want to just totally depart from every avenue you were going down 
and seeding into it because there's a lot of good stuff going on. But Dan, you look like you got. I'll give you guys each one last thing on WWE, and then we'll we'll move on to some AEW talk. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, that's it's just a kind of slow continuation into the Triple H era. You're seeing a little bit more and more. You know, he he's bringing in those guys back, the the guys back that he wants and things like that. And then, um, you know, we haven't heard anything about a draft yet. So I'm excited to hope that continues to not hear a thing. And at some point we get away from the draft and it sounds like Survivor Series isn't necessarily about Raw versus SmackDown. And uh, somebody somebody here called War Games. So I was very excited to see War Games coming. Um, and it could be like the bloodline. It's not going to feel the same without William Regal saying it. Can yeah. They, they call Tony just and work out something just long enough to get like Regal on loop saying War Games. Right. Did, did AJ or Chris call it? Who called War Games at Survivor Series? That would be this guy right here, oh, baby. Oh, you did. Oh, you. Oh, okay. I called War Games, but I called it Raw versus SmackDown. Oh, he's fucking with me, little bitch. <laughs> my last thing is just gonna be you know what triple h wasted no fucking time doing going back to black and gold for nxt yeah oh uh, hilarious I bet, I bet every time he looked at that logo it just made him feel sick in his stomach i really hope i i, I said last week that what they need to do is have Braun breaker come out and have the nxt old you know this whole confetti logo and him tear it down or i saw oh, i said Light it on fire so that it goes all black charred in the middle with the fire around it so it looks black and gold to give the last, you know, F you to Vince. Like, this was my show, damn it. Let's go no, back we, to the black and gold. No, we said we said he could uh, borrow the uh, the flamethrower from the rock that he used <laughs> and just light that thing up like they did at WrestleMania. There nope. you go. <laughs> all right. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and we're going to get into a couple AEW notes. DWI podcast 342 with none other than the Dr. S'mores, Mr. Kyle Moores. We'll be right back. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thecheshire.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thecheshire.com. Thechairshot.com. Always. Use your head. Kyle, since you love AEW so much and appreciate everything that they have done accomplished, I want to go ahead and give you a few minutes to just go ahead and speak your piece about whatever's on your mind, and then we'll wrap it up by uh, us three having a brief conversation about Paige. Is there anything – what what do you got on your mind right now? Come on. Um. I will say, I will use this opportunity as I do anytime I have an opportunity to talk about them to say, Tony, baby, you got all that cocaine money. Like, hire you a team. Get you some people to make some choices. Come on. This is amateur shit. No wonder your sports teams are all bad. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to hear something like that. That was excellent. That was excellent. Now, let's let's get real here. Paige is back. And I'll tell you what, I like shed a little tear inside when I heard that she was with AEW because I heard there was talks of she's been cleared for a while and that she might be they're trying to be bring her back at WWE. Kyle, what's what's your initial reaction there? I mean, I think we're glad for her, but like, oh, why not WWE? I my initial reaction is like, I mean, if that's not what that you want to do, 
No, no. My initial reaction is, I mean, if that's what you want to do, baby, like, I ain't ever going to tell somebody not to do what makes them happy, but, like, your back is shaped like a noodle, last I heard. And, like, I really don't know that that is the correct choice. But if, like, you're a grown-ass woman, so if that's what you want to do and it's what's going to bring you joy, then, like, far be it from me to stand in your way. Um, and then to circle back to your other question, PC, no, if you're a woman's wrestler and you want to be treated like a big fucking deal and go somewhere where you're going to be creatively fulfilled, then you want to go to Impact. I just felt like she could have been... I mean, this is all... We don't even know if she's going to wrestle yet, right? We have no idea just because db and christian and edge and all of them came back doesn't mean that she's going to be able to but i just thought that if she was able to wrestle and hunter wanted her back she could easily ended up at the main in the main event of wrestlemania with ronda rousey potentially yeah i mean she is a big deal for aew in the sense that she's a big name but it's hard to get excited about a women signing in a company that continues to put the women in the death spot every week and continues to treat the women like an afterthought and only push jade cargill and her tbs championship on the tnt show and then when you call the company out about the fact that they continue to not actually push the women and make the women a big deal they want to give you that like 1990s man baby nobody watches women's sports look at the numbers bullshit well why would they when for the entirety of your three years of existence as a company outside of that one match that one time you have treated the women like an afterthought so it's really hard for me to be excited genuinely about a legendary women's wrestler signing with a company that is either going to only use her as a mouthpiece or is going to, within a month from now, turn her into a rampage sideshow doing really dangerous spots with asshole Tay Conti and asshole Sammy Guevara. Like, nah, miss me with that shit. Yeah, why'd you bring it up, Dan? What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you know, I like to cause controversy because that creates <laughs> cash. <clears throat> and not to mention, now we're all robbed of page here. <sighs> I just always think of the better production value, the better storyline. You know, when it when it, when it's it's done right, it's done best in WWE. That's hard to argue. Um, but I mean, yeah, your point of impact would have been a better op, better choice as far as wrestling goes but i that leads me to think she's not gonna wrestle and she's just gonna go grab the paycheck from them and whatever so and good for her one of our recurring uh things on the outsider's edge is take all of these shitty billionaires money because nobody makes that amount of money by being a good person so if they're willing to unload it take all of these shitty billionaires money yeah how much and give it to paul me. newman Paul Newman, he sells stuff for other people. He gives it all back, the salad dressings and everything. I mean, nothing good comes from anyone with the name Newman. Duh. <laughs> Newman. Good foreshadowing. All right, I think we've had enough current day wrestling. I think we need to go and, you know, hark back to when times were better, when we were younger, when when it was so much bigger and bolder and superhero-ish as opposed to just kind of backstage horseshit. Right. Isn't that that's a pretty good description of like a childhood wrestling fan. And now we're adults and we're like, God, these people are so fucked up in the head. Sometimes you like it better when you, you know, didn't know shit. Mm-hmm. You just watch the show. Bliss. You know. Yeah. Right. Some, I miss it. 
before we get into it here, Kyle, why don't you give us a little bit of your favorite wrestling growing up and when you became a fan and, and you know, what you really love about wrestling that drives you to want to get on the radio every week and bitch about it, just like <laughs> us. Well, so it's funny. My um, my older sister got me into wrestling, um, and I think I probably started watching it at first just because she watched it, and it was something that we could talk about together. Um, but, you know, I'm a 90s kid. I came of age in the late 90s and early 2000s, so, like, I was growing up during the Attitude Era. Um, the Rock was obvious a thing that I really loved. I was really big fan of the New Age Outlaws. And then I'm from the Carolinas, so like I feel sad talking about him now, but Jeff Hardy was like one of my favorite wrestlers for a really, really long time. And now I just get sad every time his name comes up because sure. I'm just like, oh, it's just tragic. Um, but as I've grown older, you know, like gr I look back on it now and like I liked him as a kid, but probably one of my low-key favorite wrestlers from the Carolinas that I didn't fully appreciate until we got older is Shane Helms. Yeah. Like, Shane's just great. I agree. 100%. Uh, what, any, uh, any problems coming up with a hundred, any thoughts on any, you know, insight into how you made your list or how, was it more difficult? Was it easier? What was hard for me, is because I was born in 90 and came of age in the late 90s, early 2000s, like none of the 80s golden era shit hits for me the same way that it does for other people. I understand it's important. I recognize why it's important and I can enjoy watching it. But like I had messaged the group chat a while ago, like I will never understand what people see in the Ultimate Warrior because <laughs> all the Ultimate Warrior has ever been for me is gross, homophobic asshole. <laughs> and so, like, nothing about him ever made sense for me. So, like, my hard part with the top 100 is properly quantifying some of the people from the golden era who I know are important, but who I don't have a frame of reference to. I have never watched a Lex Luger match from start to finish. And nor should you. There's only <laughs> well, a yeah, no, there's no reason like, that anyone should watch yeah. the total package. Unless he's wrestling Stan Hansen, it's probably not worth watching all the way through. Um, but you know what? That's the great thing. There was a lot. There was a there wasn't a gigantic age difference here, but there was a lot of different perspectives that came into making all these lists. And there were no rules except for it was your top 100 WrestleMania era. So basically, if you wanted to take the year leading up to Mania one, fine, put it in there, too. But it doesn't matter. You didn't have to have. You didn't have to have people from Japan. You didn't have to have Mexico. You didn't have to have 80s. You didn't have to have 90s. You didn't have to have today. You could do whatever you wanted, right? Yeah. That's what I enjoyed about this list. And that's what I was going to say is like, there's, that's the beauty of this list is it's what you grew up with. It's what you, who you think you enjoyed and, and things like that, where eh, it's going to be a handful because we're, like you said, we're not necessarily all that far off in age where some of those guys are going to trickle to the top or whatever. And there's going to be a ton of crossover, but you could see the the interests of the different people as to where they, f you know, flow their people, like their their favorite guys. Like mine are probably ninety percent WWE and a handful of WCW because that's what I watched and I grew up in the you know I was early eighty you know late eighties you know early nineties were my you know favorite era. Well, and certain so. names and certain names we're all going to have because, like, you know, how do you put a top 100 superstars of an arid list together and not have, like, Austin on it 
or right. Rock or like Hogan. Like where you put them right. is debatable, but like obviously, you know, those They're big money people, John Cena is going to be on everybody's list somewhere. Right. But some people are going to have a little more Japan guys or may have a, other people a little bit higher because that's what they watched and they know them a little better than some of the other ones. So it's really cool to and, well, see where people a... put those guys. Those guys. Great, great transition there, speaking of Japan, to kick us off here as we get into the 80s. First, we have to get to number 90. And number 90 is none other than the head of Suzuki Gun out there in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's Minoru Suzuki. Minoru, Minoru, however you want to fucking pronounce it. I got most of the Japanese names down, but, you know, there's sometimes they say it one way or the other. I am very intrigued by watching this guy and the back of his head try to gnaw in and eat his brain. It's just a beautiful thing to watch this back of his No, uh, But literally, that's what it looks like. No, he is. I, I enjoy watching some of his matches. I enjoyed when he came and did a lot of things in America when they were going back and forth with Impact. So. I'm a fan. I think he deserves to be in a top 100 list. Kyle, what about you? I think you had him in oh, your top 100 I lo- list. Oh, I did, yes. Oh, I had Suzuki a little bit higher in my list. Um, but I I love Suzuki. One of the things you'll see with some of the people that I rate high, I'm big on presentation. Like, I'm big on the pomp and circumstance and presentation. And, like, Suzuki's entrance theme is legendary. The Kaze Nina Rei. like that is all of that like excess is the kind of shit that i love and then you get him in the ring and he's a very hard hitter like physical style but he does it in a way that is also like incredibly safe for such a hard hitting style and it's just so for me anyway it's impossible not to respect suzuki he's he's like you don't need to be a Japanese wrestling fan or you don't need to be Japanese or you don't need to know. He's like universal in his translation of, of storytelling. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like you, you can be an American that's never seen Japanese wrestling before and not know who this guy is. And you turn it on and you watch him wrestle and you're like, okay, th- this guy's probably a big deal where and if you've never seen him before because he just emotes that. Well, and, like, you don't have to be into, your right, Japanese wrestling, but one thing that it shows you, like, it shows you how big a deal he is that when he left his old company to go back to New Japan, they just turned the entire storyline about how his faction was so violent and so awful in their old company that they got chased away, and the New Japan fans just instantly embraced that shit because they're like, no, nah, we ain't gonna question this dude. Nope. Nope, this is a legend. We don't want no smoke. He he comes with um, an air of, of, of being super legit, right? Like a Brock yeah. Lesnar kind of. So, DP, anything to add here? I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch him or know who he is necessarily. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, as soon as, he, you know, they, they brought those over to America, you know, it started to get really popular uh, you know, I think the sales started to go higher than uh, they got really close to Harley Davidson's. You know, their, their motorcycles were. Oh, it's, sorry, not that Suzuki. <laughs> Are you trying to be funny? Mm-hmm. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah you're done. Yeah, you're Cut done. Cut me here. off. You're done here. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you'd be able to help us out with number eighty-nine. <laughs> no, instead of punishing you, we're going to make you just stay here and talk about number eighty-nine, and it's none other than the man who. Uh, 
who beat uh, Kyle's favorite, the Ultimate Warrior, at Royal Rumble. In hey, hey, he's an Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> Former WWF champion. Yeah, stand up straight, maggots. Uh, DP, tell us a little bit about Sergeant Slaughter. Man, you know, he was before, like, I guess his his peak was before my era, right, when I really started watching it. But he had that resurgence, you know, in the early 90s, really early 90s, 93. Well, the, yeah. You know, with the whole Iraqi war, you know, with the war going on and things like that, it was, like, just this perfect opportunity to bring him back into the fold, you know, come back. He was always this, you know, you know, American you know, all American guy, and then all of a sudden he just turns on America. He was Mister. He was Mister GI Joe. Like he left. He literally had a literally. Was making money with. He was making money with GI Joe, and they were going to start a wrestling thing. And he left. He told Vince no. He went from the AWA to do the GI Joe thing, and then you know that didn't work out like he wanted. And look at who's the first all American guy to turn heel? Sergeant fucking Slaughter, <laughs> not Hulk Hogan. Right. I mean, my my first memories of Sergeant Slaughter being the younger one in the room were uh, Commissioner Slaughter versus DX. Oh, uh, the oh first God. Sergeant Slaughter match that I ever saw. The first Sergeant Slaughter match that I ever saw was Sergeant Slaughter versus Triple H at In Your House. So like, that was my uh, memories <laughs> of Sarge. And like, whenever I think of Sarge, the first image that pops in my head is. Uh, Sean with the face shield on and the little wipers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just the terrorizing that they did to him when he was commissioner was phenomenal. Like I, and him, just him as a character was like just a great character. And like, that's where, where I remember him from is that is the, you know, early nineties when he was the bad guy, you know, hanging out with the iron Sheik and general Adnan. And that was, yeah, your boy, the ultimate warrior and Hogan were, were buddies and, the whole like the hatred that I like that I had because he took the title from the warrior when the Macho King smashed him with the scepter and it was like why the fuck is he that was the purple they had the purple winged belt title for him uh, yep. and it was like man this sucks and finally Hogan takes the title after like Hogan was supposed to be done and they didn't have anything else to do and they that was just a the whole timing thing of that that war that just made him so popular at the time and then yeah going into being a commissioner like he was just he was just a phenomenal character like the entire time i've I, watching him yeah he never was a great in-ring general but if you wanted to see some of the better things he did he you'd have sergeant. to go back into the early 80s and things of that nature but quite the character quite the guy who capitalized on his own name i mean one of the first to go outside of wrestling and be like hey i can go do this with somebody else who likes my character so good on him let's keep it rolling we're gonna go back in time even more here what? to bob backland i don't know how cross-faced chicken wing did he make your list guys did bob backland make your list i had him at 65 um right. but i will admit like when we were talking about you know what weighed for you um, anybody who won a world title and main evented either of a Starcade or a WrestleMania, like that mattered a lot to me. So it was uh, hard for me to put people who can check those boxes uh, very low on the list. 
I didn't have him on my list mainly because his again his main run was prior to the WrestleMania era with his biggest popularity. So he didn't make my top 100 because of that. Basically. You mean you didn't love Kevin Nash pinning him in 30 seconds? <laughs> no, actually, I did love that because <laughs> it meant that rain was over. <laughs> Oh, here comes Kevin Nash. He can't wrestle. Oh, but he's wrestling Bob Backlund. He can. Oh, he can't wrestle anymore, though. Still like, wrestle. oh, fuck. Did, didn't he come back during the Attitude Era and do a program with Kurt Angle when Kurt was bring, like was looking for a submission before he settled on the he, ankle lock? Yeah, and at the time they were portraying him as super. He is fucking crazy nutbag. But like, they were oh, that's him, the, that's part of the reason yeah. I had to put him on my list is because, <laughs> you know, regardless of wrestling ability or any of that, like. Something about his creepy ass Mr. Rogers grin and like weird Pee Wee Herman personality. It's just like, all right, bro, you are uh, fully committed to this ham sandwich. <laughs> You're he out there. He's out there and he's loving every minute of it. He was going to be the next president. Uh, Vince, is, Vince is back there like, creepy, huh? He's committed to the gimmick, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're just nuts. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks. And we're gonna we're gonna keep it rolling in an effort to talk a little bit about more about some of the people we have coming up because I know we're gonna have plenty to talk about in the next few here. But speaking of nuts, you guys want to talk about X Pac? Yo, how crazy is it that he X Pac? He was eighty seven on our list. I had him as eighty eight on my list, so I'm just like, oh, perfect. I was right in the perfect ballpark for it. All right, you're gonna make me go get like the the. Oh my god! So I have a master list of the top one hundred, but then I also have like eight pages of everybody's votes, so I can kind of look at I'll tell, where yeah. we are here. But go ahead, uh, thoughts well, on X Pac while I look down this. X Pac, like. The smartest thing that he ever did was make friends with the clique because he turned a friendship with the clique into membership in every important faction that ever existed during his era and found a way to never even be in the top 10 most popular on the roster, in the company, at any given time, but always relevant. Always. He was always hanging out with the right group. Like, right? Yep. yep. He, and we named Heat after him. <laughs> Did we? Yeah, X Pac Heat. Go away, Heat. <laughs> I had him way. I actually had him way higher on my. I had him at forty second on my list because of, mainly because of that. Because he's he was always relevant. He was always you know he you know guy in the NWO in the in DX. He was always there, and he could always put on a great match. He was always you know he was great on the mic, and he could. He could always make you hate him, and I, I, that's one if thing you can I get a gimmick for. like if you can get a gimmick name like the one two three kid over, like that's pretty talented. <laughs> doing something right. Well, and then he was X Pac, but then he went back to the numbers. He was like, "Well, it's one two three, not four, not not five. Let's do let's do six. Let's do six. How about six? I wonder if he pitched well, and four I love five the, six. I love that. Uh, I love the uh, determination of why he was six. How that story changed changes depending on who you ask what so go ahead well because some people will say it's because it's one plus two plus three is six and some people will say it's because he was the sixth member of the nwo and i think it's because he acts hey, like a six-year-old let's all check out yeah i had him 90th so that's right in line i think hey. I'm 90th. so i will i ruined the one of the best right. cruiserweights 
No, you yeah. don't though, because he honestly is one of the best cruiserweights, probably like of the last thirty years. He was something, that's for sure. Um, what, don't watch, yeah, watch the uh, what is it the uh, on uh, this is great radio. Dark side again. of the ring. Dark side of wrestling. Yes, thank you. <laughs> True TV, right? Vice. 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 My bad. Thank you. Thank you. No, but one of the things I appreciate about him, and then we can move on to our next person. It's fine. One of the things I do appreciate about X-Pac is out of most of those people that were around during some of the shittier and grosser and more fucked up times in the business, he does not shy away from any of the fucked up shit that he was involved in. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't pretend to be a better person than he was. Like, he is very, very transparent about, like, all of the fucked up shit that was going on and what his role in it was. Oh yeah. He's taking responsibility for all of it. So yeah. Kudos to that. At least, you know, you can say that, but definitely deserving. I would, we all think deserving to be in the top 100 here. So, um, let's get to the oh, next person. I got and this I, one. Look, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. He's a man. Such a dare you disrespect lord steven regal like <laughs> i don't know what was better that dan played that fucking music or the kyle's look like kyle's face is just like i think kyle wanted to laugh but he's like no i'm gonna be, i'm gonna i'm gonna just play total disdain for dp 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 i you were i disdain you oh, fucking do that shit the duchess of i challenge you to a duchess of queensbury rules match <laughs> with lord william regal's mother in a shark cage <laughs> is there a better example of versatility at the end of his career uh, though like one of the man. Most underrated underrated people in wrestling of all time right jesus oh easily easily always a bridesmaid never a bride but like every he's another person you know we talked about with x-pac like he's another person who always managed to find a way to make himself relevant no matter how ridiculous the storyline or what they were trying to do, like they put a whole angle t together about somebody pissing in his tea. <laughs> he had that. He had the tag team with Tajiri when Tajiri yes. pretended not to speak English. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's a real thing, by the way. So the biggest thing about that is like Tajiri would pretend to not speak English all the time. And then they were on the road one time and like Tajiri was hungry and he kept reminding them, he kept saying Burger King, right? That's it because you could see it on the exit or whatever. And they passed the exit for Burger King. And apparently Tajiri was just like, hey, motherfuckers, I wanted to go to motherfucking Burger King. What the fuck? And like he had never spoken English to them before and out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, he really is, though. Regal's such a jack of all trades and like – the second half of his career as the elder statesman in NXT and like teaching the new people how to cut promos and like Regal's just so awesome. Well, he's one of those guys that just, yeah, like is in the ring. Like, you know, I don't want to, a guy that might be on the list already, but like, a, you know, like a guy like Lance Storm, you know, these guys are just technicians in the ring and are really good. Lance Storm did not make, if I could be serious here for a minute, Lance Storm did not make <laughs> What an what? oversight on all of our parts. If I can be serious for a minute. I have He's that the shirt. only guy that had him on the top 100. 
I, I know. That's why I said what an oversight on all of our parts. Oh, like, I have the if I can be serious for a minute t-shirt. Nice. And I forgot to put length on my <laughs> Not so serious. Just, huh? uh, you know, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like he's Regal's just one of those guys. This phenomenal in-ring worker can help get anybody over and make them look good in the ring. You know, and you get you put in those guys that are a little more green that they, you know, they want to push to the moon and he's going to make them look like a million bucks. He's one of those guys. It's just that great. And that's why he's was so phenomenal later. Like you said, later in his career, when he started to become, you know, more of the teacher and then running NXT and doing what he does now is just. It's just so fantastic. Just one of those just generate, I don't know if you call him a generational talent, but just just such a talent that he can continue to do his job and continue to make great stars by teaching him how to do things. I feel like he could have been better 10 years before he started or 10 years after he started because like that kind of style of wrestling kind of fell out of favor and then fell back in a little bit you know you're right but it never would have worked for him because at the because of where he was at in his life when he was at his physical peak like when he was at his peak of skill and was able to do the things that he did at their best was also when he was like neck deep in really hardcore substance abuse problems and i don't think that those kinds of demons are the kinds of thing that like you can like get past for success regardless of how good your style is approved i suppose sean michaels made it happen but that's one out of a mission oh, i mean sean was also <laughs> part of the click man that's why john's in the Do top no 10 bitches there's a little pullback to the curtain no surprise there oh my god um no but regal i mean underrated just definitely has a place in the top 100 and who wouldn't have loved to walk down a beach near atlanta uh, in the late 80s and come across Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, and William Regal laying out in the sun. Um, let's get to the next. <laughs> next, moving on here. Someone that is a real innovator and someone that is just underrated as well as far as psychology goes. Uh, and Kyle, I see you shaking your head. DP, I don't know if you got anything here, but we're talking about Raven. What about me? Up. What about yeah, what Raven? I mean... From Johnny Polo to Raven to everything he did from WCW to ECW and then having a little bit of a run in WWE. Um, just Stevie, amazing... Richards, Stevie Richards in part owes his career to Raven. Tommy Dreamer yeah. definitely owes his career to Raven. Uh, like, I, I think that we just, I still don't think we give Raven enough credit for the storyteller that he For sure. Was. I like, agree 100%. He comes with a different kind of baggage that a lot of the ECW guys came with, but like just from a storytelling and character innovation standpoint, like the work that he did with the Tommy Dreamer storyline, the work that he did in Impact in its early years, like helping people like Jeff Hardy and Abyss learn how to be main eventers. Like I, I just don't think we give him enough credit. Go back and watch his WCW stuff while the, while the whole NWO oh, the and flock? everything else. Yeah. Uh, the that, flock. Perry Saturn, uh, Billy Kidman, everything back then was excellent. That was just like, that was some of the stuff that made that and Chris Jericho is what made WCW good on top of the, you know, their bullshit, you know, main events that sucked on TV. Yeah. he's He was just such a good character guy. 
DP? There it is. I it. Is that a crow? Are you sure that's not a crow? Is it a sting or raven? No, this was a sting. No, I know. I'm just I'm being an asshole. <sighs> I feel like... <clears throat> Like if you didn't get to see most of his WCW stuff or anything, like you guys are talking about, you know, some of the the better stuff. I feel like he generally when he was in WWE, he kind of got typecast as just a hardcore wrestler, and he didn't get that opportunity to show some of that stuff that he was good at, you know, that he could do. And that's the unfortunate part. But I mean, as far as a wrestler and and everything else, like, yeah, he's he was phenomenal. He was really good. All right, we're going to keep it moving here. The man of a thousand and one holds. One of them, which happens to be the moss-covered, four-handled family Gerdunza. No, that was, per- that was Perry Saturn. No, no, no. Dean Malenko is the man of a thousand and one holds. No, Dean Malenko is the man of a thousand and one holds, but the moss-covered, three-handled family Gerdunza was th- Perry Saturn. Oh, I just remember Jericho <laughs> saying that. When he came out to read his list of a thousand and four holds, because he had three more <laughs> armbar, yeah. Yeah. Arm armbar was on there only a half dozen times. Right, right-handed punch. <laughs> armbar. A lot of people get. Not a lot of people get the right-handed punch. I wonder what was coming next. Was it right-footed kick or left-handed punch? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about Dean Malenko. I mean, here's another guy like Adam Cole. In my opinion, if you're six three, you're WWE champion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. he was somebody who sometimes I feel bad for Malenko and Perry Saturn because they came in with Eddie and Benoit and they put them in a group because they all came in together. But then Eddie and Benoit were the only ones that got pushed. And I'm just like, Ooh, but thank God for Eddie because he blew out his shoulder that first night and he needed oh, all I know, of them, right? You know? I, I know, right. He, that is true. But, like, I think of the four, once they got to WWE, honestly, Malenko had the least memorable run because at least Perry Saturn had Moppy and Terry Reynolds <laughs> oh, and yes. all of that, like, like crazy bullshit uh, that he did when he lost his fucking mind. But by the time Malenko got there, he was literally there for a little while. He held the light heavyweight title. I think he did a thing in Eddie's uh, first thing with China. And then he was backstage guy. Yeah, he was just left in the background. You're right. I mean, yeah, he like Saturn got himself an upper, got himself some kind of gimmick and and tried to push it to make it work. And and obviously had Eddie and Benoit. But then, yeah, Malenko, unfortunate his WWE run was very unfortunate because he's yeah he's one of those guys that again another phenomenal wrestler. You know, can do all the stuff in the ring. But just never had like I don't know, just never to me never had the charisma, or you know, yeah, the size and all that to be a top guy, and never had the opportunity when he came over to WWE to to have a you know to show off what he could do. Really, especially well, especially because by the time he got to WWE, they had gotten away from managers in favor of valets. Mm. By the time he got to WWE, it was. Deborah and the cat and uh, Terry and like yeah, just that was not his eye era. candy valets. Not like he needed a Jimmy Hart. I mean, he needed a Bobby Keen. You ever seen Malenko in a speedo? I, think... I mean, I haven't, you so I don't want to. Wrestling say trunks no. is pretty close, isn't it? <laughs> um, here's you know, the thing you got to remember, though. You know, while he, him, and Eddie may be comparable in size, Eddie worked 
like a fucking six ten power forward for the fucking Los Angeles Lakers. You know what I mean? Um, Dean was a smaller guy, and he was also the oldest out of all of them, right? Like, yeah, he made a lot of made a lot of money and did a great job working backstage for WWE. And that's not a bad place than way to finish your career instead of having to go pound your head into the ground in the Indies, right? I mean, so. Yeah. Doesn't he still you want work to go back, as like an agent or something? Or is he with I AEW now? I don't know where he I is. I don't know. Or... I don't know if he's with anybody, but he, he was recently. I mean, within the last 36 months, he was, yeah, I'll even say 30 months, he was with WWE. So That's what I thought. Um, I, If you want to watch some of his best work you probably got to go back to early wcw he did a lot of stuff in japan and all over the country so that's a guy you can go back and see a number of memorable matches with a number of guys who never had a memorable match in wwe looks like he might still be with all elite wrestling at this point okay maybe talking about names and bringing up people who just deserve to be on this list regardless just because of influence antonio Inoki. i don't know if a lot of people know his background and everything but I'll once again reference you to the dark side of wrestling and the match that him and Ric Flair and Eric Bischoff put on in Korea, which is basically the largest attended uh, wrestling show in the history of the planet. There's like a literally 112, I thought, or so thousand people. I mean, this is the Hulk Hogan. This is the uh, Bruno San Martino uh, of of uh, Eastern wrestling. Right. And I mean, I, I wish I had Andrew Belaz uh, recorded as some kind of uh, special message we could put up on the on the Titantron here for Antonio Inoki. But I think we all have a few kind words for him. Kyle, go ahead. Why don't you jump in? Um, so I'm not as familiar with his actual in-ring work, but we couldn't put together a list of like the top 100 people of the last like 40 years or however long Mania has been going on and not acknowledge Inoki. Like he is just legendary in asian wrestling he is so important to japan um you know without enoki there is no you know tanahashi or okada like he is that level of iconic and so you know he deserves all of his flowers 100 percent. i can uh i can easily put together a top 100 without him because i don't any of his wrestling <laughs> unfortunately I, I i know the name obviously but i you know again for me i just my list anyway like i never got to see him wrestle i never got to appreciate his talent so he didn't make my list which you know you gotta put in the work dp you gotta put in the work man what i gotta put in the work no. well i'm not watching tapes no, All right, gentlemen, we got two people left on this list as we approach number 82 and 81. I both think I think we all know these two and we're going to kick it off with Mr. Ziggler himself, Dolph Ziggler. And I think that here's another guy that just like if he wouldn't have come right after Shawn Michaels, you know, there was a little space in there. He might have been a more popular, but just because he's such a like a carbon copy in the ring and that's not a bad thing, but it's like. He hasn't been able to differentiate himself. Like I don't I think that's what the wish, problem was. I wish he just would have never had the bad concussions when he was with Biggie and um, um, AJ Lee. Phil's AJ AJ Lee. He was he was running there, and then it was that happened, and he never really got on the same track again. Kyle, you kind of disagreed with me. Go ahead. Well, so I think you're right that the concussions, when they happened, really fucked it. But I I think the problem with Dolph was that 
before the concussions and before they finally gave him the belt, they waited too long to capitalize. Then he got hurt. And then it crossed over into a different problem. Now it's become the problem of you've been the mid card guy for so fucking long. Why should I care? He's turned into, he's turned into like we're bordering into big show territory of you are still important and useful and will always have a spot because you're consistent and you're good at what you do, but the crowd can't take you seriously anymore because you've been here for like 18 years and we've never treated you like someone that they should take that seriously. So they're not gonna now. But I think that he fits in with our theme for the eighties because our theme for the eighties has been consistency and people who find ways to stay relevant. That's kind of how I, I put him in the same line. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna come on this show and and tar- start sounding making all these goddamn sense, and sounding so fucking smart, you're gonna end up coming back again. Why oh. do you think Rance kept me around, yo? I, I started on the edge as a leave. guest host. <laughs> Upstage me, will you? Get the hell out! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for my like whether it's the Chairshot Radio Network, this podcast, or like running. Any number of sporting teams I've played on and for, it's like, man, if I, I can be the worst person on this team, we're going places. Right? You always surround yourself with better people. Just like what they did with Seinfeld. We'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah, Ziggler. I remember seeing the first time I saw him after you know, he did the end of the Spirit Squad thing and he came out and he was going to be his own guy. I was at a live SmackDown with my brother. And he came out uh, as Dolph Ziggler. I didn't recognize him as the Spirit Squad. And I was like, oh, hey, that's Billy Gunn. I'm like, what, what the hell is Billy Gunn doing mm-hmm. out here? And then he Discount finished. Discount Billy Gunn right down to using the Famouser. And then he did the Famouser as his finisher. I'm like, it is Billy Gunn. And everybody around me was laughing their asses off. <laughs> and then he turned off to be, he was, he's a phenomenal talent. Fantastic guy. Um, I think you're right on, though, with the, you know, getting stuck where he is, like, they had a really good opportunity, and just I think everything with the injuries and stuff really stalled him, and just he got stuck in this position. I, I kind of I, I tie him with like Kofi Kingston, you know that that kind of level of guy where he just he could be like they gave like I gave Kofi the title, you know, and everything, but he's you never really can necessarily take him seriously as that top level guy at this point, which is unfortunate. I got one better for you. He had it, you know. He he did. He had it. And it just I got I got one better on the analogous. He's John Morrison. Same era, same thing. He's John Morrison. Yeah. This person that looked for a minute like they were gonna strap the rocket ship to, and that is just good at literally everything that he does. But then they didn't, and now nobody believes they're gonna. Yeah. Could they have been pushed better? Yes. But at the same time I turn around and look at both that and Morrison and go what have you done to differentiate differentiate yourself from everybody else besides, you know, like you don't always remember the match. You remember like this guy did this, or this guy did that and the character. And I want to root for this guy or root against this guy. And a lot of times it was like, Oh, I like to watch you wrestle. Well, if that's the best thing that comes away from it, that's just not really intriguing enough. In the case of Morrison, he failed upwards because the greatest thing that ever happened to him is he discovered Lucha. Lucha companies know how to present him in the right 
right way. Like what he did with Lucha Underground, that's how you turn John Morrison into a world champion. Right, they accentuated his parkour kind of skills and everything else. Well, but they also gave him, we were talking about stables, they gave him a stable. They let Taya be the person that does all the talking, and Taya can go in the ring, so it works. She's a woman instead of a man, but it still works. So they let Taya do all of the talking, um, gave him a stable so that he would have goons, and then presented him the shit guy. Which they can't do in WWE because his tag team partner already has that gimmick. Mic drop. <laughs> well, there you have it, Dolph Ziggler. Sorry, you're stuck in purgatory for the rest of your life. What are you going to do? It's a great, it's a great, Keep cashing Vince's pay- checks. Yeah, it's a great paycheck if you can get it, right? That's why you're ranked 82nd, not 41st. He's making a shit ton of money. You know, he does comedy. Yeah, I'll take that six-figure downside to be, air quotes, trapped in the mid-card any day. I'm sure he has his pick at whatever bedroom partners he pleases, so good for you. Uh, we all wish we could have them. Um, the last person on our list, I think, is kind of something that's we could celebrate him for being ahead of his time, but also, like, the dude died. He was only 45 in 2007. Like he could have been putting on bangers in the attitude era. Like if he had his shit together and it's really sad because Bam Bam Bigelow was the original, you know, I, when I think of like the, the original athletic big men, him and Yokozuna, you know, and he was always in better shape than Yoko. So he was able to do so much more than Yoko could. I'm just like, uh, Bam Bam is one of my wrestling what ifs that like I get sad when I think about because he just you're everything you said, everything you said. I always will remember him fondly for his time with the Jersey Triad with fellow rest in peace could have been bigger. Uh, who better than Canyon? Um, Canyon. Canyon was mm-hmm. good. There's another dark side of the ring to watch. That one's scary. Who Man. better than Canyon? Nobody. <laughs> but no, but seriously though, like Bam Bam is so fucking good. Like so fucking good. I love Bam Bam. And that tattoo is so badass. And greetings from oh. Asbury Park is such a great name for a finishing move. <laughs> so ahead of a time, DP. That I'll tell you what, that is one of the ones now that I have seen the list there that I am uh, very disappointed I forgot about. Because he definitely should have made See, the top 100. And, and you know what? Don't feel bad, though, because there's a lot of people's lists I looked at and went, okay, maybe you maybe you don't, yeah. maybe you don't want them on there. But I thought, and I had the luxury of looking at all this stuff, too, right? And, yeah. Yeah. It was like, man, like, and I grew up watching him all the time in WWF, you know, and all. I mean, he just, yeah, he's one of the first. 10, right? One yeah. of the first. Yeah. Just the, the most, most athletic big man I remember seeing, you know, that young at that time and yeah, just phenomenal athlete, phenomenal talent. It was just great and so entertaining to watch and so entertaining to hate, you know, as a, as a, you know, wrestler too, which was just so fun. Him and Vader are two of the big guys that I think to myself, like, man, I would love to have seen them in their prime versus some of the big guys we have now that can flippy do all over the fucking place. Right. Oh my God. Vader used to just beat people up for real. Like him and oh, Stan Hansen should be put in a fucking penitentiary. But anyway, that's a, that's a discussion for a different day. I think uh, another 
great discussion here on the Chair Shot 100. Uh, the the list will continue to get even more interesting. I try to do this every week. Um, I'll give you both a guess on one person you think might be in the 71 to 80 range. Hmm. Let me consult my list. Right, that's usually where um, I go. <laughs> we said 71 to 80. Let me guess... All right, I'm going to pick one from my list. Jushin Thunder Lager. All right, DP? I always like to pick somebody that's in my 71 to 80. That's in my next 10. So uh, I'm going to go. Well, we talked about him. I'm going to go with. Well, I talked about him. We're going to go with Kofi Kingston. The, the... Was also right. in my 71 to 80. Hey, there The you go. answers to your questions will be revealed next week on episode Aww. 300. 43 of the DWI <laughs> podcast. So you'll just have to tune in until then. Do you have 10 more minutes or do we need to get you out of here? Oh, I got to get out of here. My All right. uh, lovely significant other has come home and I need to spend nope. some time. Laundry. I hope that laundry was folded before he walked in the door. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. <laughs> if not, you might have to make up with a background later. I don't know. I definitely want to get you on again before we're done with the list somewhere in the top 50. We'll even tell you what Seinfeld episode, and we'll make sure Chris is on here so you can Perfect. yell at him for us as well. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Kyle. Uh, thank Brandon for us that you know he gave us some of your time today, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you soon. Uh, Absolutely. Thank yeah, you both it, for having me. Tip Outsider's Edge in your shit one more time. Thank you both for having me. Um, once again, y'all, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find my probably smarter brother rants on twitter at no. it's ray cash no. r-e-y c-a-s-h as in dollars um and you can catch us right here on the chair shot radio network on the outsider's edge podcast we come at y'all we're trying to be more consistent about coming at y'all every friday we've done a couple weeks in a row so you know fingers crossed thanks again kyle i'll talk to you soon brother thanks y'all appreciate it y'all have a good kyle. one see ya all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Pez Dispenser will be in full play. You're listening to episode 342. Thanks again to Kyle for coming on. Love that guy. Love talking wrestling with him. Uh, great sports fan, too. We'll have to get him on when we're talking sports again one day. But uh, Chairshot Radio Network, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. We'll be right back. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Jawbreakers, to me, was like the ultimate challenge candy. It was almost like candy manufacturers were sitting in their laboratories going, I wonder if they'll eat this. This seems pretty tough to eat. Let's market it as some sort of an experiment. But the concept of Jawbreakers, what was the concept? Multicolored cement balls for a quarter? Is that the idea behind it? Let's see if we can hurt them. Let's see if they'll pay to be hurt. This is the idea behind Jawbreakers. And I did it. I ate them. I loved them. Ow, 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 ow. Oh, this is very painful. I'm really hurting, and this is hurting me a lot. I love them. All right, folks. Uh, I love the, I love the, it's going to sound weird. It's, it's not meant 
meant to sound kinky or anything, but I love the mouth play at the end of those uh, Seinfeld bits. So, you know, I used to drive John Linder crazy. Do the Seinfeld thing. Do the, well, if you make me laugh, I can't fucking do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're getting close to getting away from the comedy being in there. I do believe. I know I keep saying that, but um, the Pez Dispenser. What an interesting episode. It's it's mainly about George's relationship for the most part with this woman who oh my goodness. Boy, she's a handful until George is about to break up with her. But nonetheless, Kramer gets this is also the Kramer and the uh the beach. Man, when he makes uh, the the perfume or well, well he goes to pitch it, pitches it to uh Ralph Lauren, I believe yeah. it was. And then the guy shows up at the uh at the intervention. At the intervention with it. <laughs> yeah, so Stole there's so many st- things going on. That's my, that's my scent. But, and not, yeah. So Jerry and Elaine just have the whole, they went to the recital thing going on, right? Is there anything else going on with Jerry and Elaine? No, well, uh, other than Elaine. Besides the intervention. Yeah, yeah, them's doing the intervention because Elaine runs into their, their friend or whatever and uh, tells them about... Uh, Richie, who's uh, a drug addict or whatever, and he'll listen to Jerry. The guy, the, the, guy, the guy with the nosebleeds who was hitting on Elaine. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, is it? What did? Oh, what did he say first? This what? What was his job? He was. Uh, oh fuck! Yeah, you asked me that one. It was something he asked her. He won't, you won't date me because I do this or whatever. And she goes, maybe. And then he goes, it's because of the nosebleeds. And she goes, you're getting warmer. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a creep, maybe. Yeah. This one, yeah, it's just a weird revolving around a Pez dispenser, like some random inanimate object kind of thing. Like just it's such an oddball story that it revolves around. <laughs> and and a very Jer- George-centric like I said, George centric show about his problems with relationships. And you mentioned, uh, being in the hand, like he never, he, he talks about, he's never, he never has a hand in the relationship. He's never the one in control or whatever. And he always wanted that. Right. Well, and then the, you know, the, the, the line of the show is, you know, he's trying to break up with her and he's like, I'm breaking up with you. And then she, She's like, no. you know, you know, kind of is like, oh, what can I do better? And then they end up staying together. And then she finds out that Elaine's the one that laughed after he kept it from her. And she's like, I'm the one breaking up with you. And George is like, you can't break up with me. I have hand. And she's like, and now you're going to need it. <laughs> line, of, line of the opposite. Fantastic. Line. <laughs> yeah. So all along, they end up having this intervention and all these people. Oh, Kramer's doing the polar bear stuff. Kramer starts doing the polar bear with hanging out with the polar bears, doing the dives in the water. I don't know why, just because he loves it. Ooh. He brings them all. He brings them brings all over, them to, all the over to the intervention. Yes, and uh, yeah, and the old guy is sitting there, and he's just, he's like, oh, an intervention. Oh, that's like when people they don't show up to polar bear. We go to the house and we say, what? You don't want a polar bear anymore? <laughs> what are you too good to polar bear? <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> but the joke that gets them, pardon, pardon, uh, sip of beer for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the the part that gets Elaine laughing is he tells a joke to Elaine about the male kangaroo, and he wonders why he doesn't have a pouch. You know, the the female has a pouch, he doesn't have a pouch, so the male has pouch envy. 
he's like, I maybe I don't need all this pouch. Can I at least get a pocket? And Elaine just starts going <laughs> out of the pocket. <laughs> it's it felt like an episode that they wrote in season one or two and decided not to do until they ran out of ideas in season three. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like where they were on the trajectory from the last five, six episodes. Well, cause it doesn't, not all, I guess not all of them do. Like I was saying in general, it, they all seem to tie to a, you know, continue a continuous type of story, even though there's not really a story. And this one kind of just got dropped in there. Um, not that it's a bad episode or anything, but it just, was just this oddball one. Yeah. Well, a little different. And that I, I noticed this too. And I wonder, this maybe is that makes me think about it a little differently too, because George or uh, Jerry refers to George as Biff again. Um, and he uses that Biff line towards the first couple, you know, earlier in the seasons uh, because of the whole death of a salesman thing that he, he makes a joke about one time and he calls him Biff like for like two episodes. And this one was like an oddball, reference to him calling him Biff again. And I was like, why is mm-hmm. he like, I don't remember that being a t- continuous thing. And maybe that's, maybe that is where that happens or it could, because they wrote it earlier, you know, and just decided now nah, we're not really going to do this one until later. And then they ended up dropping it in. Yeah. You know, because they always said the first 12 were easy. And then after that, it was kind of like pulling from everywhere. And now we're, you know, that's the 14. Um, the suicide's next, then the fix-up, then the boyfriend, then the limo. So there are some really good ones coming. I don't remember the suicide necessarily. Uh, Jerry worries that his comatose neighbor will recover and seek revenge, and George fears a plane crash. Okay, well, that really didn't help me remember that the episode. But we're going to find out next week. Uh, <laughs> how about Kramer? Ends up being the reason that they need to have an intervention for this guy because he told him to dump the Gatorade over the old man, Coach. and uh... Yeah, it's a softball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why not why always what, and then Richie Richie and then Richie. Uh, Jerry's explaining this all to Elaine and, and he's like you know telling her about how Kramer's involved and everything and and he's like but Richie's changed so much since then and she's like what about Kramer and Jerry's like hasn't changed at all yeah <laughs> always gonna be the same guy he's always gonna be the one that like kind of like is just the fucking shit up or he's always involved in the story somewhere you know, like this one. Sure. He, he convinces him to dump the Gatorade on one guy, and uh, it causes Richie to go into a like, supposedly a drug addiction yeah, because who's he, this guy? it's pneumonia. Who's this guy? He can't stay. He doesn't know Richie. What do you mean? I'm the guy who convinced him to dump the Gatorade on right. such and such. Caused, they caused him to get sick from and get pneumonia or whatever. And he got oh. <laughs> like it's fucking Kramer. Well, it's always there... Kramer. There you have it. Any last thoughts here on, on the Pez dispenser? Uh, I know those things are hard to load. They're very hard to load. And apparently you can get like a dozen of them at the flea market for like a buck. Because <laughs> that's what no Kramer... Fleas there. No, no fleas at the flea market, by the way. No fleas. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure George believes that there's fleas at the flea market. I know what goes on that's, at the flea market. That's what caused... That's what Jerry caused... That's what caused him to call him Biff. <laughs> that is... What, that's right. That's where he got Biff. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it this week. Um, please continue to listen. We're going to get to uh, 71 to 80 next week. So we're getting in there. We're getting close to the upper half of this list. Uh, Steve Cook will be on the show next week. 
the one and only. Uh, you can check out a lot of his stuff on thechairshot.com. He puts out the NFL betting picks every week, the article. Um, great fantasy football player. Does a lot of stuff over at 411 Mania as well. Big wrestling fan, so we'll have Cook on next week. But uh, make sure you are listening to Outsider's Edge and Kyle Moore's. Follow him at Dr. S'mores. DP, let everybody know where they can find you and this shoe. Well, you can find me all over the worldwide social media interwebs at it's me, DPP, and catch the shoe on Twitter at Podcast DWI and Facebook.com slash DWI Podcast. All right. You can follow me at PC Tunney, uh, Chairshot Radio Network, all your favorite streaming platforms. And, of course, thechairshot.com, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot. Check that out. Um, that's it. That's all we got. Is there reggae music? I feel like dancing. Reggae music? What the hell? I don't have reggae music. I got some mean uh, music. Mean I can mean street it. But that's about all I can do. And you've been listening to another edition of the podcast known as D. W. The the reggae on the main street. <laughs> oh, that Connecticut reggae. <laughs> oh, man. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head.